0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now.
0: Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, you got exactly what you needed. Welcome in. We are live here on this Thursday. Appreciate you guys joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter at ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zino. M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. A lot to do today. We'll recap the Braves from last night. Is Georgia doing some self-correcting? Plus, stats be damned, says Arthur Smith. We'll get to that as well. An explosive, we'll call it, report on the NFL from one of the best in the biz. We'll do all that coming up here on A to Z. Of course, we have to start with the Atlanta Braves last night. Kyle Wright does exactly what you wanted him to do, what you needed him to do. Six innings, two hits, one walk, six strikeouts, and 83 pitches after what was a lengthy, lengthy rain delay. Um, Both the teams are pretty adamant about playing that game last night and not having to play a day game today on Thursday, given the situation, and then travel immediately Uh, to Philadelphia. So uh, it worked out in everybody's best interest except for those TV executives who thought they were getting this game at 4 o'clock, not against the Dodgers game coming up at 7 o'clock. So there is that. Anyway, you know, it was the kind of classic baseball playoff game that you wanted. One of your best pitchers gives you a great outing exactly when you needed it. You got all the timely defense that you needed. You took advantage of the one situation that you could have – late in the game to take a lead, and you didn't blow it. That's how good playoff games are won. Uh, you got to give credit to Zach Wheeler. He dueled his tail off uh, pitch for pitch with with Kyle Wright for the entire six innings until they got to the seventh, or until they got to the five innings, rather, until they got to the sixth. You know, uh, they get two outs, and what's the opening that you get? Acuna gets hit by a pitch, Swanson walks, boom base hit from Olsen, key clutch single. Remember those people who wanted him dropped in the order? Yeah, I do. Uh, you don't do that. Thanks, folks. But anyway, uh so you get that key single, they take the one nothing lead, they pad two more and they never really had to look back. But all that happened with two outs. And the same thing that the Phillies were able to take advantage of in game 1 with those clutch two out hits is exactly what happened for the Braves the other night. There was really not any other situation other than the Phillies in the top of the second where they had, uh, you know, Bryce Harper at third with less than two outs and Freed gets out of it. Other than that, neither team really had any true opportunity to make something happen in the game. You know, and if you just looked at, at uh, the stat line of runners in scoring position, you, you know how the game went. It was tight, all around. Um, the Phillies only went 0 for 3 because they only had two two of those chances were with Harper on third and there was one another one later in the game I think but other than that the Braves went 3 for 4 runners in scoring position and you get what you get, right? I mean that's what this all boils down to. The the, the old adage two out base hits win world series holds true and that's how the Braves got uh this season even series rather evened at one game apiece. Now As we sit here of the recording of this uh, late Thursday morning, uh, we do not know who is starting game four yet. Brian Snickers held it close to the vest. I'm going to say this clearly and loudly so everybody can hear it and so all of you can understand. The only correct answer is Spencer Strider starts game three. Period. That is the only correct answer. If he is healthy, he pitches. Done. Full stop. End sentence. Move on. If Strider is healthy enough to pitch, he starts game three. There is no discussion. There is no debate. There is no argument. That is it. There is literally zero reason to start him in game four. If he is healthy enough to pitch. What is one more day going to do for Spencer Strider at this point? Either he's healthy enough to start and pitch six innings, or he's not. Bottom line. There's no reason to trot Charlie Morton out there who's going to get rocked because the chances of him getting rocked are greater than the chances of him not getting rocked. The numbers say that. His career numbers against the Phillies say that. His numbers this year against the Phillies say that. There is no reason to put that dude out on the mound. There's no reason to put yourself in a 2-1 hole when you could be up 2-1 with the possibility of your ace being able to go maybe on short rest if you wanted him to. But nonetheless, you don't have to. You can put your ace on the mound in game five. You can't do that when you're down 2-1. You can't hold out your ace for game five when you're down 2-1. You can't. You're not sending Morton out there to save your season. There's only one correct answer, and it's Spencer Strider. If he doesn't start game three, that means he's not healthy enough to pitch. Period. And what have I told you from the beginning? If he's not healthy enough to pitch, this is a coin flip. That's where this is. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to rationalize it. This is the deal. If he's healthy enough to pitch, he pitches in game three. End of discussion. I'll take your questions now. Oh, thanks. There are none. Good. There's not a justifiable reason for him not to pitch in game three if he's healthy. Not out of the bullpen. Not coming in relief. Nope. Starter. Game three. You take a 2-1 lead when he starts. Done. And you don't even have to worry about it. You put yourself down in a, in a one-two or two-one hole. Like, why would you even want him to come in and have to pitch a game to save your season when you do it the other way around? And you've got so much more clout to play with. You've got so much more room to play with in Game Four. Send Morton out there in Game Four, up two-one. Fine. Is that ideal? No. But what you don't want is Strider out there in Game Four and a broken bat base hit. You know, uh, and a bloop or, or, or one mistake pitch to cost you. It's, it's not worth the risk. Like, th- there's really no reason other than Brian Snicker keeping the Phillies on his toes to, to hold out this anymore. It, it just doesn't make sense, period. And you won't convince me otherwise. So, game three, Striders on the mound, end of, the, end, end of conversation. And I'm, I'm selfishly rooting for that because I want to bet on him. Because if he starts, the Braves are going to win, period. Like I said, what are your questions? Speaking of betting, got a word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Your favorite sports and events are at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Uh, Odds this weekend for... The Atlanta Falcons are laying five and a half points. Total set at 44 and a half. I mean, you know, uh, or is it 42 and a half? Let me just double check. No, it is 44 and a half. I was right the first time. You see that? Um, But you can get all that information right there at betonline.net. You'll find news and reviews of every single league, Major League Baseball playoffs going on right now. We don't have the Braves lines yet. They won't come out until they announce a starting pitcher. I can guarantee you that much. Uh, But NFL, college football, big game between uh, Alabama and Tennessee this weekend. Seven-point favorite for Alabama. Nick Saban in single digits. Tough to to pass that up, folks. NBA coming underway. NHL just gets underway. Combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have got you covered. And check out those podcasts, guys, because they give you great insight from their betting experts on what plays to make and how to execute them on any given game. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online where the game starts. All right, uh, let's get to some Georgia football, then some Falcons stuff here, because uh, Seth Emerson, as he's wont to do, um, always has some interesting takes on the Georgia Bulldogs, and one that he wrote in his mailbag this week to me uh, spoke volumes. One of the things he talked about was uh, one of the, the question from one of his readers was did the performances of Dewan Edwards and Branson Robinson, you know, signal a shift in the offense? We've talked so much this year about the philosophical shift of the offense that's needed. And we've talked, I've said repeatedly that until Georgia gets a quarterback who can handle this pass first, pass 55, run 45% type deal on a routine basis, They're always going to be susceptible to being beat by a team that can execute it well. I still hold to that. Um, Georgia last year, I I won't call them the anomaly. They were a better team than Alabama on multiple fronts, particularly on defense, and they deserve to win the national title. I'd never take that away from them. However, I have been, you know, critical is not the right word. I've been skeptical of Stetson Bennett and his ability to be that level of a passer. And then we get the beginning of the year and we see what Stetson Bennett did against Oregon the first couple of weeks and Stetson Bennett-Heisman. And then, of course, we watch the games against Kent State, the games against Missouri, and even to a certain extent last week uh, where we could see the mistakes that he's making and go, yeah, let's end that Stetson Bennett-Heisman conversation. And we did. Whether you want to acknowledge it, it's over. Stetson Bennett is no longer in the Heisman conversation. But according to Seth Emerson, he said that Georgia's coaches spoke to Rick Neuheisel and the CBS crew before the game. And they told him, quote, you know, that, and this is according to Rick Neuheisel, in reference to Stetson Bennett, quote, they trust him. They want to give him the ball. He makes good decisions. But they may have gone a little bit overboard. They may have gone a little bit overboard. Look for them to be a little bit more balanced today. Well, that's exactly what the Bulldogs did. Rushing it more on first down than normal uh, in the running game. 16 rushes for 118 yards and only 25 passing yards on 13 attempts in uh, on first down. So they geared it back a little bit, right? And we said that prior to the game. I said that right here on A to Z, that expect them to be more run heavy. Now, CBS showed a graphic during the pregame. Georgia's offense was only 42.5% pass from 2016 to 2021, and then, including the national championship year, and then 54% pass in the first five games of this year, the highest in Georgia since 1994. Okay. Yeah. Georgia needs to get back to being a run first team because their quarterback won't permit them to pass at 54% rate. That's that's just the way it is. Guys, I mean, it's not an insult. Play to your strengths. Absolutely play to your strengths and be smarter about how to go out and beat your opponent. Is Stetson Bennett good enough to make critical pass, pass plays in critical situations? Yes. Can you trust him to throw the ball? Um, For certain stretches of the game, more than you run, yes, but on the whole, this is not an offense or a team or a quarterback you want passing fifty-five percent of the time and running forty-five percent of the time. That's not a formula that over the course of a twelve-game regular season, SEC championship game, and college football playoff that you want Stetson Bennett to hold to. Part of the reason Stetson Bennett was so successful in the pass game late last year is because you had to respect. The Georgia run game more. If you take that equation out of it, you're now allowing teams to key on Stetson Bennett as the primary source of the offense. And that changes things defensively. So to me, again, I expect to see it this week. Run, 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 run. Just go beat up Vanderbilt with the run game. You don't need to do anything crazy. When you go play a Tennessee team that's got a pass defense that's as bad as they are, sure. Lean into that. Because two quarterbacks in the SEC who are average at best on their very best day, and Anthony Richardson and Jaden Daniels, both threw over 300 yards on that Tennessee defense. I fully expect Stetson Bennett. In fact, Anthony Richardson threw for over 400 yards. But I would fully expect Stetson Bennett to have a big passing day against that Tennessee defense. That's fine. That's a weakness of theirs. Exploit it. But game in, game out, just run the damn ball. Just run the damn ball. It's so much easier. It really, really, really is. All right. um, Let's get to the Falcons here. Because I found this very, very interesting. And then we got some shovels of wisdom to hand out, by the way, as well. Uh, We also have an explosive report. An explosive report. Um. On the, uh, uh, the NFL. Sorry, had a brain fart there. Hamsters back on the wheel. So Josh Kendall of The Athletic uh, wrote a column today um, saying, Marcus Mariota's positives and negatives, why the Falcons like what they see. And uh, he's quoting Arthur Smith in the very second sentence of the column saying, quote, I think he's done a nice job. Quarterback rating and completion percentage be damned, Arthur Smith said. You know, I asked him about this, and that was a quote in direct response to my question about the passing numbers and where they are. Smith went on to say, the completion percentage, whatever. I worry more about situational football, turnover margin, making sure we're clean in the red zone. There are a lot of ways to look at it, but I do have an appreciation for guys who won't take negative plays regardless of their stats. Well, the stats are bad. Mariota's numbers are bad. Completion percentage, 57.7%. That's 30th in the NFL. His passer rating, 78.8. Ranks 27th. This is a team that has only completed five, count them, five passes in each of the last first halves. Each of the last two games in the first half. Marriott has only completed five passes. Can't score a lot when you only complete five passes. Unless you got like 15, 18 runs that are all netting huge yardage. Can't score a lot. You don't have long, sustained drives when you only complete five passes. You just don't. Josh Allen completes five passes on his first drive. Marcus Mariota barely completes five passes in the entire first half. I'm not suggesting that Marcus Mariota should be Josh Allen. What I'm really saying is you got to be better in the pass game. And Arthur Smith can say this. And to an extent, he's right. To an extent, stats be damned. We're competitive. We're in football games. Our quarterback isn't hurting us as much as he is helping us Who cares what the numbers say? Sure. Talk to me in three more weeks when the numbers are the same and the L's are piling up a little more because winning like this is not sustainable. That's not me making that up. That's the NFL today. You're not going to win more than you lose with a quarterback who only completes 57% of his passes and has a 78 quarterback rating. You're going to lose more because games in the NFL – are usually decided by three or four points. And those three or four points are usually decided by three or four plays that ultimately decide a game. Can you rely on your quarterback to make more of those three or four plays than miss them right now? The answer with Mariota is no, you can't. Is he helping them running the ball on third down and converting third down You know, plays at times? Yes. But it's a different conversation when it's the second quarter of a game and, you know, you're up. 10 to 7. And it's a big difference in the third quarter of a game or the fourth quarter of a game, especially the fourth quarter when you're trailing 24 to 20 and need a touchdown. Huge difference. Those are not the same situations. They're played different offensively, they're played different defensively. Everything changes. So, that said, you could sit here and tell me all you want. Stats be damned completion percentage, be damned, all those things. Secretly behind closed doors, you know it has to get better. That's number one. Number two, if you were losing games, you wouldn't be saying, stats be damned. You'd be saying, we need to get better in that area. Or you'd be doing things to fix it. Again, guys, not, nar- not, nar- not knocking Arthur Smith. narking, Arthur? Nerthing? Not knocking Arthur Smith. Okay? You guys know, I, if you've listened to this show enough or you follow me on Twitter, you know I think the world of the guy is a coach. He is as sharp as a tack, smart as hell, one of the most creative play callers in the league. And he's not even getting credit for it yet. He will, but not yet. Um, so this isn't a knock on him. It's just the reality of the situation. And I'm sure Arthur Smith is smart enough to understand that. He can only play with the pieces that he's given, and he has to lean into what Marietta does well. And leaning into what Mariota does well is not throw as often as you'd like. That's the answer. That's why he only completes five passes. I I tell you again, I'll say it, and I'll say it tomorrow on our Football Friday, worried about this game on Sunday. I think this could be one of the games where the Falcons get blown out. Mostly because that defense is going to suffocate every ounce of this offense. Unless the Falcons can really get sustained running – you know, get a sustained running game and have rushing yards pile up. Uh, I worry a lot about it. Might see a lot of three and outs. You're starting to see second and long a lot. It's going to be problematic. Watch what happens on first down. Watch how they try to move the ball. It's It, it could be ugly. A bloodbath even. So there is that. All right. We will uh, dive more into that tomorrow on a football Friday before we get to an explosive report on the NFL time for shovel wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom.
1: Uh, you know how we do it every day. We have to, uh, uh and well, not today as well, but you can do so on the Twitter account network. You know, just use the hashtag shovel of wisdom, say my shovel goes, to Ryan Zebley. It's Ryan Zebley, I guess. Oh. Ryan Zebley uh, is the photographer who was uh, shoved by Devontae Adams after the Monday night lost thing that we all saw. freelance photographer who worked at the Monday night. He, uh, Zeble, uh, filed, uh, just papers. Suffer, quote, whiplash, a headache, and possible minor compression. Oh, old thirds. Right, Zebley, blow up. Dude, honestly. Stop with the money grab. Stop with the, you know, Adams, speaking of money grab, Adams can face guilt up the six months or a fine of $1,000. He's not going to jail. Okay. But if you want your $1,000, Ryan said, I'll give it to you for Devontae Adams at a sheer principle. I mean, this is so stupid, man. Did you deserve to be pushed over? No. I mean, There's an argument you shouldn't have been there. And security on the field did a bad job because, guys, F if you want. For eight years of being a cheerleader on the sidelines of an NFL game, every time players are walking on and off the field, guess what? The area is roped off. Nobody cuts in front of them. Nobody's allowed to cut in front of them. Security prevents them from doing so. Everybody has to stand still until players really get onto the field, which is their area, not yours. Why? Because other people aren't allowed inside those white lines that they don't the field. to feel. So definitely wasn't supposed to be there. Fine. Doesn't mean he deserved to be pushed over. Let's stop with the lawsuit stuff, though. Honestly. Give it a rest. Blow up. And you're not hurt. I'll say it. I'll flat out say it. You're not hurt. You're not. Like you said, you fly in fifteen feet. I mean stop. I don't even know what like this. i would love to see the doctor's report about how much damage he has Anyway, yes, I mean an insensitive and callous others. It's fine. Okay with that. I'm me are you. Okay. Uh, speaking of being mean and insensitive. There was an explosive report here in the when I want to tell you this about explosive report on ESPN.com about Washington commanders owner Daniel Swatters. Uh, yeah. It was done by Don Benada, Seth Wickersham, who are two and Tisha Thompson. I don't know the Tisha is, sorry. Um but I've never known Don Donata and uh, Seth Rickersham to ever write an investigative piece of journalism that isn't thoroughly researched and vetted. However, I will say this much, and I tweeted him out and said the same thing that this whole report is loaded. Loaded. In fact, it's 100% of anonymous quotes. The only people who went on the record with their name to say anything were lawyers. Duh. So make that what you will. I don't know how much of this report is true. Talking about how Snyder basically has dirt and other owners, Roger Goodell, it's the only reason he still has a job, uh, and he hasn't been forced out because this would be mutually assured destruction to put the column. But if you want to take down Snyder, he's going to take down a whole bunch of other people with him including Roger Goodell, right? Well, this is a situation here where, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, they ever get out of very soon. And the reason that they can is because orders are very incestuous. One way or another, this is a very elite group of 31, 32 backers. Um, people who are so insular to themselves and the rest of the world, they think that it's—it's like they are, uh, 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 as Snyder calls it, it is like a moat, right? They're on the inside circle; nobody can get in, and, and only people on the inside can get you out. I want to continue on the
0: story, but first, a word from our friends at Built Bar. Have you guys tried the newest flavor of Built Bar Puffs? Oh, cookie dough chunk, delicious. Chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks in it, covered in 100% real chocolate, only 160 calories, and a whopping 15 grams of protein. Go to Built.com, get a box for yourself, get one for the family. They're the perfect snack, whether in between meals or late at night, you don't want something too heavy. Built Puffs bars and cookie dough chunk will absolutely make you fall in love with snacking that is 100 correct like i said covered in 100 real chocolate healthy tasty good for you
1: go to built.com use the promo code lock on 15 to get 15 percent of your first order again promo code locked on 15 15 percent of your first order of built up so back to gana schneider and the NFL owners this year um it's interesting too because one of the things that i felt like the writers buried the lead with this. You know, they talked a lot about obviously the toxic work culture, sexual harassment, you know, the the uh, accounting things that had to be testified in front of Congress. and all those things obviously were awful looks for the commanders for Washington for the League. But what really has other owners and league executives ticked off, again, I think this got buried, is what they describe as quote, business woes in Washington, which is one of the most of the league's best partners. And here, I'm reading directly from the column here. Quote, this gate is one of the lowest in the league. His revenues are significantly low and trending lower, a veteran owner says. He's costing his fellow owners significant money. Under Snyder's watch, FedEx Field has reduced the capacity from more than 90,000 seats around 64000 this year. While a team spokesperson said the team's business prospects have been around, including the doubling of season three holders, a 30% increase in sponsorships, owners said they haven't seen evidence of improvement. Multiple ownership and team sources play that ticket sales with about half of those remaining seats are controlled by team brokers, the highest ratio in the NFL. Kobe's well, a partner, and he's not playing as any part. an partnership executive of the rival. Uh, yeah. Let me finish. Let me read one more paragraph here. Well, some owners aren't liking the seats because their team is losing. Veteran owner explains that goes with the territory. Snyder's I like because of what he's done to that franchise with all its history. Stadium is falling apart. He was in a the He can't get a stadium. There's no way out. He may have passed point of their return. Again, this brings this all back to the real deal of the financials. Because guess what? Financially, if they were doing okay, it was not an issue. No one complains about the Jaguars' revenue. If you're just complaining that the team looks like a mess, and no, owner Shad Khan uh, wants to move team. I never get like. They're not writing stories about how the Jaguars are bad for the league because business-wise, they're still churning out profit. And that's a team that is as poorly attended as any in the league.
0: I mean, you know, you're not writing that the Buffalo Bills aren't making a ton of money. Well, they are, but it's a smaller market, right? You got to pick out some of these smaller markets where, again, Green Bay Packers make money. Who cares what their record is? Buffalo Bills were terrible for years before Josh Allen got there. They were well-attended, one of the most passionate fan bases in the league. It's funny because I wrote something on Twitter about uh, this column and just, you know, basically what I said to you guys at the top of this whole segment about how it's a lot of hearsay
1: and uh, anonymous quotes and everything else. And a buddy of mine, a very close friend of mine, I went to college with a Washington banders fan. wrote me back and said, it's exhausting, but the article and being a fan of this league show That's how most Washington fans feel. They're literally exhausted by being a fan I mean, that to me is is you know one of the things where the fan base is actually out loud promoting this whole thing and where they are. And that is public. I'm curious to see how the rest of the owners react to this. Again, there were several veteran owners, uh, longtime owners, whatever it was, and I don't doubt Don Donata and Seth Lickersham when it comes to the research, like I said. Could that be the same owner described differently? Could it just be two owners who have given these comments to the writers for ESPN? Maybe. But I do know that Don Donata and Seth Lickersham research the hell out of their columns. They don't print stuff. that isn't well-sourced. So that part, I think, is fair. Now, Roger Dell said several times that owners can be fined for sort of leaking stuff to the press. This is handled one of two ways. The most likely way is that nobody responds to this. Every owner shuts their mouth. Nobody goes forward. And this report dies in the blind right where it is and it goes away rather quickly. That's probably the most likely way to happen. Second thing that happens is that the NFL, there are other owners. Step up to take action and force Snyder out. We got owners' meetings coming up here soon uh, where this behind closed doors will be discussed. And one way or another, it'll get handled. You won't hear anything publicly about it until after the owners' meetings, that's not true. But when they're all there in a the room, this will get hashed out one way or another. That's kind of the thing. Man, I'd love to know how billionaires. Talk to each other. I've always lived by the action. The whole reason you get bleep you money is so you can tell everybody that you know, bleep you. But well, when you're in a room with 30 other bleep you guys, I'd love to be a flying wall for that conversation. That's for sure. Alright, I'm sure there'll be more on this uh story and wrestling. Coming up tomorrow, Football Friday, get you picks in. Uh will have a day off, so. We won't see them again, whatever they have today. We won't see them again until tomorrow night, so it's something to do uh the rest of the NLDS in Philadelphia. To do here. appreciate you guys uh, listening today and watching as well on the YouTube channel. Subscribe and like there. Give a thumbs up. Make sure you download Roku TV, uh, ABC, and the rest of Locked On Sports Atlanta on Roku TV every single day. So every year, TV, Amazon, Carson, whatever you can be. Now on the app, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta. And wherever you get your podcast, check out Lock On Sports Atlanta. here on YouTube as always guys have a wonderful Thursday don't forget any crap from anybody back tomorrow for a Friday show yeah. hey Prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music